Hello, beautiful, divine people. I hope that you're having a beautiful morning, evening, or night, wherever you are in the world. Today, I'll be speaking on right people, wrong season. Yes, I said it, right people, wrong season. We all have journeys. Whether they are life, self, love, etc. The whole purpose for a journey is to move from one place to another. A transition to abundance in every area. We're all traveling and discovering parts of ourselves as well as truths that's in the world today. Especially other people. God has placed other people in our lives for us to learn from them as well as to grow. How many here have ever gotten their hearts broken? Your heart broken. Well, you're not alone in the department. It's perfectly normal. Believe it or not. It's a part of the process. It's a part of our growth. Pain is here to make us or break us. How many here are actually in a romantic relationship? We have many relationships. Relationships, it means to relate to uh, to another person. We can relate to our bosses. We can relate to our Families, our mothers, our fathers, we can relate relate to our children, we can relate to our dog, we can relate to different aspects of the world. But people, our people relationships are the most important because from them we learn about ourselves and they become mirrors to us so we can become better individuals. More divine, more to one God. I've been in a few relationships, and some worked out, others they didn't. Have you ever met someone who you thought was so right? You probably even called them the one. I guess that I'm not alone on that one. There are breaks and seasons in our lives where we meet, we match well with certain individuals. And they may have been meant to be more than a friend, maybe more than a business partner. I've recently spoken with a man who was in a 11-year-old long relationship where children were conceived, and it simply didn't work out. It's always sad when it don't work out when you want it to. We had this beautiful interaction. We spoke For about an hour or so. 
And I've never really seen a man so vulnerable with his feelings. It was a beautiful interaction. And I hope there's healing in, in his future, even in his present. But he spoke on three reasons why his situation didn't work out. Which are all of the following. Don't go into a broken situation. Pay attention to the red flags. Two, be completely whole before entering a romantic relationship. And last but not least, three, you can't fix your partner. Don't go into a broken situation. That's heavy. Let's think about that for a second. Hmm. How many of us are in healthy relationships now? Red flags. Red flags are here for a reason. And we must pay attention to them. Red flags are clear signs to stop and pay attention to a particular thing or an action. That's why we have a stoplight and a sign. It helps to prevent car accidents. If we didn't have the stop sign, of the of the stop or stop sign, or stoplight to turn red, or the stop sign, we wouldn't stop. That's why we have safety hazards on the uh, street. People, it keeps us from having car accidents if we're careful. Well, this is happening in our personal and interpersonal relationships, whether it's family, friends, whether it's romantic. Even with ourselves, we we avoid the red flags. We avoid the toxic attributes of a certain thing, situation, or person. We don't recognize that something's toxic because we don't recognize that we're toxic. We believe that we're perfect. We have this complex by ourselves that others need to change, but but. We're not perfect. We're giving, we're giving signs to pay attention. But we give others the benefit of doubt. Trust your divine self. Or your intuition. Please, people. Trust your inner knowing. That inner knowing is God. And I know that some may not be in that place of really fully embracing their divine selves, but we do have an inner knowing. And God do place it there. It's called a gut feeling. That gut feeling is God speaking to us through certain situations. Have you ever been in a place where 
you you got this feeling that you need to leave, and then you end up leaving. But uh, later on, when you got home or wherever you was going, it was on the news that it was a shooting in that place or that event. That was God telling you what you need to do, or your spiritual guides, or your higher self. It's very important to trust yourself. This is very hard, especially just out of a religious perspective, being told that you're born flawed. You're told that you're sinful, that something is broken in you from birth. And that's simply not true. There are parts of us that we learn along the way that's broken. But we're not born with that. We're born divine. That is a lie. And I'm living proof of that. I see it every day. I feel it myself. And even as I connect with God, I see that that isn't true. That's a lie to get us to buy into some bogus belief system, BS. Because if you because if you believe that you're broken and flawed from birth, you're going to seek out a solution, right? If you believe it's a problem, don't believe that. Please don't. And the moment you stop believing that, that's the moment you start living. Because you realize you're not broken. This is probably one of the root problems why we're always looking for a solution outside of ourselves instead of inside ourselves. Because we've been told that we're sinful. We're born to sin. We're born a certain way. No, you develop those physical attributes by your, your external situations, environment, and those people that's around you. You learn those things along the way. You're not born with them. Just want to nip that in the bud. Trust your divine discerning or intuition. Trust the inner knowing. Trust yourself. It's okay. They teach this in yoga. In some religious sects, it's demonic to know yourself because if you know yourself you can discern a lie from the truth wake up people God is putting a jacket to wake us up to particular behaviors that we betray Things that we do. Sometimes that person just that has red flags. They have red flags. Is you? What red flags do you uh, do you have in your personal and interpersonal relationships? What things do you need to work on? The second point: wholeness.
Be completely whole before entering a romantic relationship. That's a hard pill to swallow. I've had to learn this myself. But what I've learned is that wholeness requires isolation. Dealing with unhealthy or toxic versions of ourselves. And getting around the right people is more than necessary. It's a requirement. This is easier said than done, people. But it's most definitely possible. I know a lot about it. I'm currently on this path now to wholeness. Some days are sunny and other days are cloudy. Filled with doubt and depression, sadness, some joys. I know that God has a whole river full of my tears because I cry a lot and I've cried a lot. Wholeness is something that's required. What if you went to the grocery store and you got half of everything you purchased, but you want to buy it? I don't think so because you want a whole fruit. You want a whole Whatever you buy from the store, you want a whole bag of chips. What's well, my cut the bag of chips open and that's how you sold it. Well, who wants a half person? If you want it, if you want everything that's whole in your life and completing your life, why don't you think that requires you to be whole? I'm just saying, why don't we work on ourselves more when we already know that there are parts of us that needs to be worked on? Those We have voids. We must heal in order to prosper and be abundant in every area. We must heal. Healing... Helps with the wholeness. It fills in those gaps and those voids and those dark places. I've had to deal with the dark part of myself, with the shadows of myself, with the quote unquote demons that I've had to wrestle with. And I, I'm still wrestling with them today. Some have been, a lot of have been conquered, but some is still a struggle every day. It's a struggle to be honest with who you are and where you are in your life. But it's necessary. It's very necessary. Don't walk into an abandoned, broken house and live in it. Work has to be done on it by professionals only. If a house is burned down and there's nothing there, you can't go in there and live in that house. It takes those that are trained in the area, that are professionals. And those professionals are angels. 
And the main professional is God. God is a rebuilder of all things and everything that exists within this dimension and all dimensions. God is a professional builder. You can't walk into a situation where you want to build with someone without the builder, without the proper tools. It just don't work that way. And once we recognize and realize that, then and only then will we be able to receive that full healing in whatever areas that we need healing in. As simple as that. Stop acting like you're a professional. If if we actually, this hypothetically, was to go and live in an abandoned building, this broken and the the roof the roof is about to cave in, the floors are weak. There would be no not life there. Other than you and me, whoever is about to live in this place. And that's what a broken relationship looks like. That place needs to be uh, renovated. It needs to be some investments in that place. It needs some sheet wall. All that. We need someone to go and fix that up first. The heart is the most important thing in the body. Just like God. Without God, we are we are that building. We are. And before entering any relationship, romantic relationships, we must come to a place where we have a relationship with God, the creator. The one who builds us up, who have that no he has the, the model. He know he has the layout of the model. Nobody else has the layout but God. You don't have the layout, so stop acting like you're God. That goes into our last and final point. You can't fix your partner. Mm. This is home for me because I was there. I was there. Brokenness is a place where tears and pain coexist. You will be a better partner only if you're in a perfect and peaceful contentment place within yourself. Please allow the creator to fix the creation. Too many times we enter relationships trying to change them for our selfish needs. We're not perfect ourselves. We're all flawed to a certain extent. Perfection is only found in God. In a 
imperfect world that idolizes perfection. It's sad. You see it in movies. You see it in the media. You see it in magazines. No wonder why someone wants to go and get plastic surgery or nose job. And no wonder why people want to uh, get fake accents and fake personalities. Because in this realm, in this, in this dimension, this world, we're told if we're this way, then we're perfect for everyone. Everyone's trying to look the same way and dress the same way, but God made us differently. We're not perfect. And we achieve something that is impossible. Perfection is a lie. We're buying lies from the television, telling lies to our vision. We're perfect with all our beautiful imperfections. Your partner isn't a project. This goes back to God being the architect, the builder. Your partner isn't someone to build up and fix. God wouldn't give you a project or a fixer-upper. Think about anything God has done for you. Has God given you half? No, God gives you the best of the best. Even things that you can't even imagine. God always goes over and beyond, above and beyond. You can even touch, even dream of. So why do you think God would give you someone who's a fixer-upper? Let God fix that person. Let God deal with that person. Let God... Touch that person. Let God change that person. And if that person isn't as close to God, let God deal with that. That's not your job. Your job right now is to live out your purpose. Whatever that may be. To love our neighbors, to love ourselves, and to be ourselves. That's it. And as we do that, people will gravitate towards us. Situations will gravitate towards us. Some will totally propel us. It would be totally opposite. It would, it would, they will run from us because it's not meant to be for us in this point in time. Let's focus on, on our healthy selves. Let's focus on the healthy things that's in our lives. Better yet, refocus. Sometimes we become so distracted with life, we have to refocus on everything, everyone. Believe that everything, everyone will fall into in place. Sometimes we're with the person that God has called us to be with or chosen to be our soulmate, but it's in the wrong season. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's ever been here. You know that that person is the right person for you. Or you know that job is the right job for you, but you're just not ready for it. You know that dress is the right dress for you, but you're just not the perfect size yet. You're well, not perfect. You're not, you're not the proper size to fit it at that point in time. Or maybe you want to lose weight and you brought a smaller size, but as you work on yourself and you lose weight, you'll be able, you'll be able to fit that dress. We must come to a place to realize seasons. 
in our lives. I hope that this helped. Please send a message, a comment. I just need some input. <clears throat> and because I need this input, I'm adding a new part of a new part to the segment. It's called the Reflection Corner. I'm opening the floor for anyone to ask one question. Anybody on a weekly basis. And we reflect on it. And we'll speak on it for a couple minutes. The reflection corner. I like that. The upcoming segment will be on healthy as well as toxic relationships, marriage, separation, and singleness. Chime in on a weekly basis. So next time, beautiful divine people, be you. Greetings, beautiful divine people. You're listening to The Heart Doctor. Today I will be speaking on dating after divorce. How many here believe in soulmates? Believe it or not, according to Greek mythology, humans were created with four legs, a head, and two faces. Fearing their power, Zeus split them into separate parts, condemning them to spend their lives and search for the other halves. Now, this is just a myth. I don't know how true it is, but it sounds just about right to me. Soulmates. How many people do you know that believes in soulmates? What is a soulmate? After doing some studies of the Bible, of different belief systems, Googling the dictionary, and just asking God myself, God gave me some deep history about soulmates. You can't have a soulmate without sex. That is a very powerful statement. Sex involves merging the souls together. In the Christian community, they call these soul ties. A soul tie is when you when you're engaged sexually with someone without being married. Physically, but spiritually. Sex is a gateway for two souls to come together. What is a soul? A soul involves your intellect, emotions, and a spirit 
of a person. Soul ties are created when two individuals decide to have sex on a constant basis. And here's a quick fact. Did you know the more that you have sex with one individual, the deeper the memory that you have of that person? Memory is created during sex. That's why in a Christian community, it's enforced to not have sex before marriage. Because sex actually is marriage. Mm, let's think about that. When you have sex with someone, you're married to them. But just on a more spiritual basis. Some people actually go beyond that and get a ring and a wedding, last name change, and etc. You know the rest. Sex opened doors to a lot of things. And a lot of us are in soul ties with people. But it's possible to lose these chains of soul ties. And it's amazing that some people don't even believe in soul ties. But they actually are real. Have you ever had sex with someone and all of a sudden you just felt connected with them? You can sense them. You you begin to uh, to act as, act out the way they would or say things they would say. A soul tie. It's only one way to break a soul tie. And that's to stop creating memories for people. Because sex literally creates memories. And memories are in our psyche. So we must be careful with that. Now you may be wondering, why is she talking about sex and soul ties and soulmates? Because it all connects. I'm speaking about marriage. You can't have marriage without sex or soul ties. So the next question, of course, would be, what is marriage? Marriage is a permanent soul tie with an individual. No matter the divorce papers, no matter the separation, it's a permanent soul tie. If you consistently have sex over over and over again with someone for years and years and years you create deep memories that's the reason why it's hard to leave a relationship after a certain 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 amount of time or let's say eight years five years 11 years 20 years it's hard for you to move on because your souls are still tied together even though you're not with that person But once you stop having sex with that person in a longer period of time, and as time go on, that tie will be disconnected. For example, if if you've been having sex with someone for five years, how long do you think it's going to take for you to break that tie with them once you stop having sex? Exactly. That gives us a more healthy way of looking at sex. Naturally, the next question would be, what is divorce? 
since this segment is about dating after divorce. Divorce is literally splitting of the souls. And since the soul involves our intellect, our emotion, and our spirit, it's almost separating our very beings. And to put it into a picture for those who are visual like myself. I researched how to take the marrow from bones because I'm reminded of a scripture and what God brought to my remembrance was that's what divorce is. Divorce is just like splitting the marrow from bones. And the word of God splits the marrow from bones. Literally. When you stand on it. I believe it's Hebrews 12 and 4. Could be wrong. But that's what this came to my mind. Divorce literally splits the marrows from bones. And on this YouTube video, they literally split the bone, like broke the bone over and over again. Can you imagine your physical bone being broken like 20 times? Then they're going to take something to extract the marrow from the bones. Like literally take it out, the soft part of the bones, and they can actually cook it and put it in soups and stews. That is what divorce is. Divorce is literally breaking yourself or the parts of yourself that were connecting you to over and over again. It's splitting two souls and it's extracting the very knowledge, those experiences, those memories away from you that was created in a union of love. We're still talking about dating after divorce. But first we have to understand the breakdown of divorce. Divorce is very painful. I've experienced it and it does things and it's, it has a way of reminding you of pain worse than any toothache. But literally, it has a way of breaking you down to nothing, basically. And doing divorce, you're literally doing divorce slash separation you're literally being broken it's split in half you the cracking of a bone and another bone and when you when you when you get to a certain point you think you're healed then it's another place that's been broken because literally two people two souls were connected at one period of time the very things that made you 
literally it don't coexist with you anymore. So we must get the concept of divorce. That's why it's so painful for all parties, whether it's the husband, wife, or children, or pets, or anything that's involved. But no pain, no gain, right? Being broken in in half and becoming whole again. Mm. This would be a long segment if I was to go into details about that one. Imagine trying to glue bones together to function as it did before. As a matter of fact, if if there are anyone out there other than me who loves to work out, when you're getting muscle, literally, your body is breaking bones to create extra space for muscle. That's amazing for those who didn't know. So literally... We're used to pain. We just don't know how to place it or how to picture it. Becoming whole again. You need glue. You need something sticky. You need something to put it together. That's why we have ligaments. We have parts of our bodies as we grow muscle. It's the glue to keep us together from falling apart. The skeleton... Is what keeps us together. Other than that, we will be droopy. We have no structure, no foundation. We won't. We, we would not be able to have any form without our bones. So imagine our skeleton being broken over and over again. Not just by divorce, but by life. There's a concept. That's new to me. But Google it and get back with me with some feedback on it. See how how you feel about it. But it's called spiritual divorce. And spiritual divorce is pretty much using the divorce process to heal yourself. On the deepest level that exists. Dating after divorce. It can be very painful. I know it all too well. Especially after going through the process of becoming whole again. Of becoming a full individual again after being broken so many times. And imagine after being broken and broken and broken so many times. You still have to face that person. You've conceived two children with these with with this person. Or maybe more for some, maybe none. A child is different than having a pet. A pet didn't come from your loins. A pet didn't come from sex. Or you can give a pet away, you can adopt a pet. But a child is different. And if anyone had to go to court or any had any legal issues dealing with divorce, you understand. A pet is easy to exchange. 
or to take care of. But when it comes to children or a child, it's hard because those children came from your loins together, merged together. Literally, your children are the makeup of the both of you. They're the result of two souls being merged together. They're your love. They represent your peace. They represent whatever the marriage was. I've been in a place of having to fight for my children. I've been in a place of having to relearn love through them. Because they're the only two things that connects my husband, or better yet, my ex-husband, with me. We no longer coexist. But we coexist in them. That's deep. Let's think about that for a second. Let me repeat that. Even though my ex-husband and I no longer coexist, we coexist in their being. So it's almost as if it was four of us. Four, I mean two of us. But dating after divorce with children can be very difficult because there's a lot of stigmas dealing with people with children and it's called baggage. In this perfect world, we can't make any mistakes. We can't have any scratch marks. We can't have any laughing lines or wrinkles. They have Botox and different things for these things, but you can't hide divorce. You can't hide a broken marriage. You have to fix it. It has to be with the strongest glue that exists. And that that glue for me, I can't attest to him or anybody else experiences dealing with this or from far away. But God has been that glue. Throughout time, even before I was married, God has always been my glue. God have been there for me in ways he couldn't, my ex-husband. And I've been reminded that in my single season. And it's one of my most difficult seasons, but it's necessary. Dating after divorce can be can be very painful, but it's necessary to move on to a better life, to more abundance, to more peace. Tonight, I will represent you with tools that can help you. These tools could be a foundation for better relationships with yourself and others, and potentially a romantic partner or life partner. And these tools are one, be open to be hurt again. This is deep, this is heavy, this is something that is not easy to do, just like those broken bones. But every time we work out, every time we gain more muscle, we do it. So if we can do that, we can do this. 
our bodies are living testimonies of the strength that God has given us to take pain and recover from it. We have to be willing to be hurt again. We can have our guards up for a little bit, but again, you can't love a wall, a brick wall. It don't talk back, it don't hug you back. It's not warm, it's cold. We don't want to become that of a person when someone is open and warm, like a garden and the sun beaming down on it, the flowers. We want to become open and warm again. Don't allow a bitter divorce or a bitter breakup to make you into someone you're not. And I was becoming that. I was becoming that bitter, quote-unquote, baby mama. There were there was periods of time where I didn't want my ex-husband around my daughters. Even though I never neglected that duty from him. I have to make that clear. I was not keeping his children from him. He just didn't want to be around his children for a period of time. That was on him. But... But it was always open opportunities for him to have his children. But every time he came around underneath the physical and beneath the ego and the fake smile as if I was okay, at that period of time, I I didn't want him to be around those children because I remembered those memories that we had together. And... They were formed and created the children. The children are reminders that we were together one period of time. And that's painful to adjust to, especially if the children look like him or looks like the opposite or looks like the other person. It's very hard to adjust to that. And it took a lot of things. It took therapy. It took Mentorship, it took friends and family and a strong support system to get me to where I am now. And I've learned that it's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to tolerate someone's flaws or uh, perfect imperfections. That's why I call them. Because in doing that, I'm able to love again. Love requires so much. You have to be willing to be patient and, and long suffering with somebody and persevere. You, you have to be willing to do those same things that you did in that relationship and marriage. Because if you can't, then you cannot heal properly. Uh, the last tool that, helped, that has helped me this far has been Facebook. Yes, social media Facebook. They have groups. And I remember scrolling down Facebook, posting whatever I was going to post. And this notification came you got this and it's a, it's a divorce group that speak it's a transparent place where you can speak on any and everything you can speak on court things or you can speak on legal things if you need to and it was a group with 99% women in it 
And I, every day I saw the stories of the spouse using the ex-husband and moved on with someone. And it was so many things going on in that group that I could, that resonated with me on a deep level. And their restraining orders, talking down on you towards the children, children, making the children choose sides. It was just so, so many things that you wouldn't even imagine. You maybe can't imagine what was going on. And again, like I've done it. I've spoken badly about my ex-husband in front of my children. And I've had people tell me to get their right, to don't, to not do that, get myself right and fix my relationship with him. And I have, and it's and it has been a, a three-year journey, and it's still it's working its way out. But you got this, help me. I can post on there anything, and there there was no judgment. There was no man bashing. It was it was healthy therapy, and they gave tools even the the main person who created the group she has a book where she had this divorce guide and the tools that you can use and she sent it to me and it and it has helped me so much in my journey and now I can honestly say I'm in a much better place another one is sisters of dating and divorce and this pretty much speaks on the frustrations of dating after divorce. And how do you maneuver that? And it's so many dating, it's, it's, so, it's so many divorce groups. It's so many groups on Facebook. But literally, these groups help me. And just seeing the different things that these people are saying. And for some reason, it's mainly women. Maybe it's just women that's really seeking help after the divorce. I don't know. But those are two tools that may help you become a better version of you. And dating after divorce is possible. And I've had a couple run-ins. I was in a relationship for four months with this guy. He was great with my children. With me. And he is went ghost. And I don't know. I don't know why. I didn't know why for a year or so. He came back, and we went on a date. We we spoke very openly and candid about everything, and I, I understood why he did what he did. But it hurt me to my core. And since then, I really haven't really been able to open up to anybody else. But I guess you could say until recently, I've been able to open up to love in whatever form it comes but I hope that my transparency will help someone on their journey because in the midst of life happening we have to get to a place where we're honest about our transition and I would not go into grave details because some things need to be said not said and some things need to be kept secret Just know that healing is required.
to date after divorce or any long-term relationship. And remember, marriage is anytime you're having sex with someone because sex creates memories. The more memories, the harder it will be. The harder it will take and the longer it will take. The harder it will be and the longer it will take to get over that person and that situation in that relationship. So we have to be willing to nip things in the bud and let things go. But, again, forgiveness don't wait on time. It's willingness of the parties that's involved. It's not time. It's the people. But chime in on a weekly basis. And let's go higher. The Love Doctor. Greetings, beautiful divine people. You're listening to The Heart Doctor. Today I will be speaking on dating after divorce. How many here believe in soulmates? Believe it or not, according to Greek mythology, humans were created with four legs, a head, and two faces. Fearing their power, Zeus split them into separate parts, condemning them to spend their lives in search for the other halves. Now, this is just a myth. I don't know how true it is, but it sounds just about right to me. Soulmates. How many people do you know that believes in soulmates? What is a soulmate? After doing some studies of the Bible, of different belief systems, Googling the dictionary, and just asking God myself, God gave me some deep history about soulmates. You can't have a soulmate without sex. That is a very powerful statement. Sex involves merging the souls together. In the Christian community, they call these soul ties. A soul tie is when, you, when you're engaged sexually with someone without being married. Physically, but spiritually. Sex is a gateway for two souls to come together. What is a soul? A soul involves your intellect, emotions, and the spirit of a person. Soul ties are created when two individuals decide to have sex on a constant basis. And here's a quick fact. Did you know 
the more that you have sex with one individual, the deeper the memory that you have of that person. Memory is created during sex. That's why in a Christian community, it's enforced to not have sex before marriage. Because sex actually is marriage. Mm, let's think about that. When you have sex with someone, you're married to them. But just on a more spiritual basis. Some people actually go beyond that and get a ring and a wedding, last name change, and etc. You know the rest. Sex opened doors to a lot of things. And a lot of us are in soul ties with people. But it's possible to lose these chains of soul ties. And it's amazing that some people don't even believe in soul ties. But they actually are real. Have you ever had sex with someone and all of a sudden you just felt connected with them? You can sense them. You you begin to uh, to act as, act out the way they would or say things they would say. A soul tie. It's only one way to break a soul tie. And that's to stop creating memories for people. Because sex literally creates memories. And memories are in our psyche. So we must be careful with that. Now you may be wondering, why is she talking about sex and soul ties? And soulmates? Because it all connects. I'm speaking about marriage. You can't have marriage without sex or soul ties. So the next question, of course, would be, what is marriage? Marriage is a permanent soul tie with an individual. No matter the divorce papers, no matter the separation, it's a permanent soul tie. If you consistently have sex over over and over again with someone for years and years and years you create deep memories that's the reason why it's hard to leave a relationship after a certain 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 amount of time or let's say 8 years 5 years, 11 years, 20 years it's hard for you to move on because your souls are still tied together even though you're not with that person but once you stop having sex with that person in a longer period of time, and as time go on, that tie will be disconnected. For example, if you if you've been having sex soon for five years, how long do you think it's going to take for you to break that tie with them? Once you stop having sex. Exactly. That gives us a more healthy way of looking at sex. Naturally, the next question would be, what is divorce? Since this segment is about dating after divorce, divorce is literally splitting of the souls. And since the soul involves our intellect, our emotion, and our spirits, It's almost separating our very beings. 
and to put it into a picture for those who are visual like myself. I researched how to take the marrow from bones because I'm reminded of a scripture and what God brought to my remembrance was that's what divorce is. Divorce is just like splitting the marrow from bones. And the word of God splits the marrow from bones. Literally. When you stand on it. I believe it's Hebrews 12 and 4. Could be wrong. But that's what this came to my mind. Divorce literally splits the marrows from bones. And on this YouTube video, they literally split the bone, like broke the bone over and over again. Can you imagine your physical bone being broken like 20 times? Then they're going to take something to extract the marrow from the bones. Like literally take it out, the soft part of the bones, and they can actually cook it and put it in soups and stews. That is what divorce is. Divorce is literally breaking yourself or the parts of yourself that were connecting you to over and over again. It's splitting two souls and it's extracting the very knowledge, those experiences, those memories away from you that was created in a union of love. We're still talking about dating after divorce, but first we have to understand the breakdown of divorce. Divorce is very painful. I've experienced it and it does things and it has a way of reminding you of pain worse than any toothache. But literally, it has a way of breaking you down to nothing, basically. And doing divorce, you're literally doing divorce slash separation you're literally being broken and split in half you the cracking of a bone and another bone and when you when you when you get to a certain point you think you're healed then it's another place that's been broken because literally two people two souls were connected at one period of time the very things that made you literally it don't coexist with you anymore so we must get the concept of divorce that's why it's so painful for all parties whether it's the husband wife or children or pets or any thing that's involved 
But no pain, no gain, right? Being broken in in half and becoming whole again. Mm. This would be a long segment if I was to go into details about that one. Imagine trying to glue bones together to function as it did before. As a matter of fact, if if there are anyone out there other than me who loves to work out, when you're getting muscle, literally, your body is breaking bones to create extra space for muscle. That's amazing for those who didn't know. So literally... We're used to pain. We just don't know how to place it or how to picture it. Becoming whole again. You need glue. You need something sticky. You need something to put it together. That's why we have ligaments. We have parts of our bodies as we grow muscle. It's the glue to keep us together from falling apart. The skeleton... Is what keeps us together. Other than that, we will be droopy. We have no structure, no foundation. We won't. We, we would not be able to have any form without our bones. So imagine our skeleton being broken over and over again. Not just by divorce, but by life. There's a concept. That's new to me. But Google it and get back with me with some feedback on it. See how you feel about it. But it's called spiritual divorce. And spiritual divorce is pretty much using the divorce process to heal yourself. On the deepest level that exists. Dating after divorce. It can be very painful. I know it all too well. Especially after going through the process of becoming whole again. Of becoming a full individual again after being broken so many times. And imagine after being broken and broken and broken so many times. You still have to face that person. You've conceived two children with these with with this person, or maybe more for some, maybe none. A child is different than having a pet. A pet didn't come from your loins. A pet didn't come from sex. Or you can give a pet away. You can adopt a pet, but a child is different. And if anyone had to go to court or any had any legal issues dealing with divorce, you understand. A pet is easy to exchange or to take care of. But when it comes to children or a child, it's hard because those children came from your loins together, merged together. Literally, your children are the makeup of the both of you. They're the 
result of two souls being merged together. They're your love. They represent your peace. They represent whatever the marriage was. I've been in a place of having to fight for my children. I've been in a place of having to relearn love through them. Because they're the only two things that connects my husband, or better yet, my ex-husband, with me. We no longer coexist. But we coexist in them. That's deep. Let's think about that for a second. Let me repeat that. Even though my ex-husband and I no longer coexist, we coexist in their being. So it's almost as if it was four of us. Four, I mean two of us. But dating after divorce with children can be very difficult because there's a lot of stigmas dealing with people with children and it's called baggage. In this perfect world, we can't make any mistakes. We can't have any scratch marks. We can't have any laughing lines or wrinkles. They have Botox and different things for these things, but you can't hide divorce. You can't hide a broken marriage. You have to fix it. It has to be with the strongest glue that exists. And that that glue for me, I can't attest to him or anybody else experiences dealing with this or from far away. But God has been that glue. Throughout time, even before I was married, God has always been my glue. God have been there for me in ways he couldn't, my ex-husband. And I've been reminded that in my single season. And it's one of my most difficult seasons, but it's necessary. Dating after divorce can be can be very painful, but it's necessary to move on to a better life, to more abundance, to more peace. Tonight, I will represent you with tools that can help you. These tools could be a foundation for better relationships with yourself and others, and potentially a romantic partner or life partner. And these tools are one, be open to be hurt again. This is deep, this is heavy, this is something that is not easy to do, just like those broken bones. But every time we work out, every time we gain more muscle, we do it. So if we can do that, we can do this. Our bodies are living testimonies of the strength that God has given us to take pain and recover from it. We have to be willing to be hurt again. We can have our guards up for a little bit. 
But again, you can't love a wall, a brick wall. It don't talk back. It don't hug you back. It, it's not warm. It's cold. We don't want to become that of a person. When someone is open and warm, like a garden and the sun beaming down on it, the flowers, we want to become open and warm again. Don't allow a bitter divorce or a bitter breakup to make you into someone you're not. And I was becoming that. I was becoming a bitter, quote unquote, baby mama. There were there was periods of time where I didn't want my ex-husband around, around my daughters. Even though I never neglected that duty from him. I have to make that clear. I was not keeping his children from him. He just don't want to be around his children for a period of time. That was on him. But but it was always open opportunities for him to have his children. But every time he came around underneath the physical and beneath the ego and the fake smile as if I was okay, at that period of time, I wanted—I didn't want him to be around those children because I remembered those memories that we had together. And they were formed and created the children. The children are reminders that we were together one period of time. And that's painful to adjust to, especially if the children look like him or looks like the opposite or looks like the other person. It's very hard to adjust to that. And it took a lot of things. It took therapy. It took Mentorship, it took friends and family and a strong support system to get me to where I am now. And I've learned that it's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to tolerate someone's flaws or uh, perfect imperfections. That's why I call them. Because in doing that, I'm able to love again. Love requires so much. You have to be willing to be patient and and long-suffering with somebody and persevere. You, you have to be willing to do those same things that you did in their relationship with marriage. Because if you can't, then you cannot heal properly. Uh, the last tool that, helped, that has helped me this far has been Facebook. Yes, social media Facebook. They have groups. And I remember scrolling down Facebook, posting whatever I was going to post. And this notification came you got this and it's a it's a divorce group that speak it's a transparent place where you can speak on any and everything you can speak on court things or you can speak on legal things if you need to and it was a group with 99% women in it and I, every day I saw the stories of the spouse using the ex-husband and moved on with someone. And it was so many things going on in that group that I could, that resonated with me on a deep level. And 
their restraining orders, uh, talking down on you towards the children, children making the children choose sides. It was just so so many things that you wouldn't even imagine. You maybe can't imagine what was going on. And again, like I've done it. I've spoken badly about my ex-husband in front of my children. And I've had people tell me to get their right, to don't to not do that, get myself right, and fix my relationship with him. And I have. And it's and it has been a, a three-year journey. And it's still it's working its way out. But you got this help me. I can post on there anything. And there, there was no judgment. There was no man bashing. It was it was healthy therapy. And they gave tools. Even the the main person who created the group, she has a book where she had this divorce guide and the tools that you can use and she sent it to me. And it and it has helped me so much in my journey and now I can honestly say I'm in a much better place. Another one is Sisters of Dating and Divorce. And this pretty much speaks on the frustrations of dating after divorce. And how do you maneuver that? And it's so many dating it's it's so it's so many divorce groups. It's so many groups on Facebook. But literally these groups help me and just seeing the different things that these people are saying. And for some reason, it's mainly women. Maybe it's just women that's really seeking help after the divorce. I don't know. But those are two tools that may help you become a better version of you. And dating after divorce is possible. And I've had a couple run-ins. I was in a relationship for four months with this guy. He was scraping my children with me and he is went ghost and I don't know I don't know why I didn't know why for a year or so he came back and we went on a date we we spoke very openly and candid about everything and I, I understood why he did what he did but it hurt me to my core and since then I really haven't really been able to open up to anybody else but I guess you could say until recently. I've been able to open up to love in whatever form it comes. But I hope that my transparency will help someone on their journey because in the midst of life happening, we have to get to a place where we're honest about our transition. And I would not go into grave details because... Some things need to be said, not said, and some things need to be kept secret. Just know that healing is required to date after divorce or any long-term relationship. And remember, marriage is anytime you're having sex with someone because sex creates memories. The more memories, the harder it will be. The harder it will take and the longer it will take the harder it would be and the longer it would take to get over that person in that situation in that relationship. 
So we have to be willing to nip things in the bud and let things go. But again, forgiveness don't wait on time. It's willingness of the parties that's involved. It's not time. It's the people. But chime in on a weekly basis. And let's go higher. The Love Doctor. Greetings, beautiful divine people. You're listening to The Heart Doctor. Today I will be speaking on dating after divorce. How many here believe in soulmates? Believe it or not, according to Greek mythology, humans were created with four legs, a head, and two faces. Fearing their power, Zeus split them into separate parts, condemning them to spend their lives in search for the other halves. Now, this is just a myth. I don't know how true it is, but it sounds just about right to me. Soulmates. How many people do you know that believes in soulmates? What is a soulmate? After doing some studies of the Bible, of different belief systems, Googling the dictionary, and just asking God myself, God gave me some deep history about soulmates. You can't have a soulmate without sex. That is a very powerful statement. Sex involves merging the souls together. In the Christian community, they call these soul ties. A soul ties when you when you're engaged sexually with someone without being married. Physically, but spiritually. Sex is a gateway for two souls to come together. What is a soul? A soul involves your intellect, emotions, and the spirit of a person. Soul ties are created when two individuals decide to have sex on a constant basis. And here's a quick fact. Did you know the more that you have sex with one individual, the deeper the memory that you have of that person? Memory is created during sex. That's why in the Christian community it's enforced to not have sex before marriage. 
because sex actually is marriage. Mm, let's think about that. When you have sex with someone, you're married to them. But just on a more spiritual basis. Some people actually go beyond that and get a ring and a wedding, last name change, and etc. You know the rest. Sex opened doors to a lot of things. And a lot of us are in soul ties with people. But it's possible to lose these chains of soul ties. And it's amazing that some people don't even believe in soul ties. But they actually are real. Have you ever had sex with someone and all of a sudden you just felt connected with them? You can sense them. You you begin to, uh, to act as act out the way they would or say things they would say a soul tie it's only one way to break a soul tie and that's to stop creating memories for people because sex literally creates memories and memories are in our psyche so we must be careful with that now you may be wondering why is she talking about sex and soul ties and soulmates because it all connects I'm speaking about marriage you can't have marriage without sex or soul ties so the next question of course would be what is marriage marriage is a permanent soul tie with an individual no matter the divorce papers no matter the separation is a permanent soul tie. If you consistently have sex over, over and over again with someone for years and years and years, you create deep memories. That's the reason why it's hard to leave a relationship after a certain, certain, certain amount of time. Or let's say 8 years, 5 years, 11 years, 20 years. It's hard for you to move on because your souls are still tied together. Even though you're not with that person. But once you stop having sex with that person in a longer period of time. And as time go on. That tie will be disconnected. For example, if if you've been having sex with someone for 5 years. How long do you think it's going to take for you to break that tie with them once you stop having sex? Exactly. That gives us a more healthy way of looking at sex. Naturally, the next question would be, what is divorce? Since this segment is about dating after divorce... Divorce is literally splitting of the souls. And since the soul involves our intellect, our emotion, and our spirit, it's almost separating our very beings. And to put it into a picture for those who are visual like myself, our research how to take the marrow from bones because I'm reminded of a scripture 
and what God brought to my remembrance was. That's what divorce is. Divorce is just like splitting the marrow from bones. And the word of God splits the marrow from bones. Literally. When you stand on it. I believe it's Hebrews 12 and 4. Could be wrong. But that's what this came to my mind. Divorce literally splits the marrows from bones. And on this YouTube video, they literally split the bone, like broke the bone over and over again. Can you imagine your physical bone being broken like 20 times? Then they're going to take something to extract the marrow from the bones. Like literally take it out, the soft part of the bones, and they can actually cook it and put it in soups and stews. That is what divorce is. Divorce is literally breaking yourself or the parts of yourself that were connecting you to over and over again. It's splitting two souls and it's extracting the very knowledge, those experiences, those memories away from you that was created in a union of love. We're still talking about dating after divorce, but first we have to understand the breakdown of divorce. Divorce is very painful. I've experienced it and it does things and it has a way of reminding you of pain worse than any toothache. But literally, it has a way of breaking you down to nothing, basically. And doing divorce, you're literally doing divorce slash separation you're literally being broken and split in half you're the cracking of a bone and another bone and when you when you when you get to a certain point you think you're healed then it's another place that's been broken because literally two people two souls were connected at one period of time the very things that made you literally it don't coexist with you anymore so we must get the concept of divorce that's why it's so painful for all parties whether it's the husband wife or children or pets or any thing that's involved but no pain no gain right being broken in, in half and becoming whole again. Mm. This would be a long segment if I was to go into details about that one. 
Imagine trying to glue bones together to function as it did before. As a matter of fact, if if there are anyone out there other than me who loves to work out, when you're getting muscle, literally, your body is breaking bones to create extra space for muscle. That's amazing for those who didn't know. So literally, we're used to pain. We just don't know how to place it or how to picture it. Becoming whole again. You need glue. You need something sticky. You need something to put it together. That's why we have ligaments. We have parts of our bodies as we grow muscle. It's the glue to keep us together from falling apart. The skeleton is what keeps us together. Other than that, we will be droopy. We have no structure, no foundation. We won't. We, we would not be able to have any form without our bones. So imagine our skeleton being broken over and over again. Not just by divorce, but by life. There's a concept that's new to me. But Google it and get back with me with some feedback on it. See how you feel about it. But it's called spiritual divorce. And spiritual divorce is pretty much using the divorce process to heal yourself on the deepest level that exists. Dating after divorce. It can be very painful. I know it all too well. Especially after going through the process of becoming whole again, of becoming a full individual again after being broken so many times. And imagine, after being broken and broken and broken so many times, you still have to face that person. You've conceived two children with these with, with this person. Or maybe more for some, maybe none. A child is different than having a pet. A pet didn't come from your loins. A pet didn't come from sex. Or you can give a pet away. You can adopt a pet. But a child is different. And if anyone had to go to court or any had any legal issues dealing with divorce, you understand. A pet is easy to exchange. Or to take care of. But when it comes to children or a child. It's hard because those children came from your loins together. Merged together. Literally your children are the makeup of the both of you. They're the result of two souls being merged together. They're your love. They represent your peace that represent whatever the marriage was I've been in a place of having to fight for my children I've been in a place of having to relearn love through them 
because they're the only two things that connects my husband, or better yet, my ex-husband, with me. We no longer coexist, but we coexist in them. That's deep. Let's think about that for a second. Let me repeat that. Even though my ex-husband and I no longer coexist, we coexist in their being. So it's almost as if it was four of us. Four, I mean two of us. But dating after divorce with children can be very difficult. Because there's a lot of stigmas dealing with people with children. And it's called baggage. In this perfect world, we can't make any mistakes. We can't have any scratch marks. We can't have any laughing lines or wrinkles. They have Botox and different things for these things. But you can't hide divorce. You can't hide a broken marriage. You have to fix it. It has to be with the strongest glue that exists. And that that glue for me, I can't attest to him or anybody else experiences dealing with this or from far away but God has been that glue throughout time even before I was married God has always been my glue God have been there for me in ways he couldn't my ex-husband and I've been reminded that in my single season and it's one of my most difficult seasons, but it's necessary. Dating after divorce can be can be very painful, but it's necessary to move on to a better life, to more abundance, to more peace. Tonight, I will represent you with tools that can help you. These tools could be a foundation for better relationships with yourself and others and potentially a romantic partner or life partner. And these tools are one, be open to be hurt again. This is deep. This is heavy. This is something that is not easy to do, just like those broken bones. But every time we work out, every time we gain more muscle, we do it. So if we can do that, we can do this. Our bodies are living testimonies of the strength that God has given us to take pain and recover from it. We have to be willing to be hurt again. We can have our guards up for a little bit. But again, you can't love a wall, a brick wall. It don't talk back. It don't hug you back. It's not warm. It's cold. We don't want to become that of a person. When someone is open and warm, like a garden and the sun beaming down on it. 
the flowers. We want to become open and warm again. Don't allow a bitter divorce or a bitter breakup to make you into someone you're not. And I was becoming that. I was becoming that bitter, quote-unquote, baby mama. There were there was periods of time where I didn't want my ex-husband around, around my daughters. Even though I never neglected that duty from him. I have to make that clear. I was not keeping his children from him. He just didn't want to be around his children for a period of time. That was on him. But... But it was always open opportunities for him to have his children. But every time he came around underneath the physical and beneath the ego and the fake smile as if I was okay, at that period of time, I I didn't want him to be around those children because I remembered those memories that we had together. And... They were formed and created the children. The children are reminders that we were together one period of time. And that's painful to adjust to, especially if the children look like him or looks like the opposite or looks like the other person. It's very hard to adjust to that. And it took a lot of things. It took therapy. It took Mentorship, it took friends and family and a strong support system to get me to where I am now. And I've learned that it's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to tolerate someone's flaws or uh, perfect imperfections. That's why I call them. Because in doing that, I'm able to love again. Love requires so much. You have to be willing to be patient and and long suffering with somebody and persevere. You you have to be willing to do those same things that you did in their relationship with marriage. Because if you can't, then you cannot heal properly. Uh the last tool that helped that has helped me this far has been Facebook. Yes. Social media Facebook. They have groups. And I remember scrolling down Facebook, posting whatever I was going to post. And this notification came. You got this. And it's a, it's a divorce group that speak. It's a transparent place where you can speak on any and everything. You can speak on court things or you can speak on legal things if you need to. And it was a group with 99% women in it. And I, every day I saw the stories of the spouse using the ex-husband and moved on with someone. And it was so many things going on in that group that I could, that resonated with me on a deep level. And there restraining orders uh, talking down on you towards the children children making children choose sides it was just so so many things that you wouldn't even imagine and maybe can't imagine what was going on and 
again, like I've done it. I've spoken badly about my ex-husband in front of my children. And I've had people tell me to get their right, to don't to not do that, get myself right and fix my relationship with him. And I have. And it's and it has been a a three-year journey. And it's still it's working its way out. But you got this help me. I can post on there anything. And there there was no judgment. There was no man bashing. It was it was healthy therapy. And they gave tools. Even the the main person who created the group, she has a book where she had this divorce guide and the tools that you can use and she sent it to me. And it and it has helped me so much in my journey and now I can honestly say I'm in a much better place. Another one is Sisters of Dating and Divorce. And this pretty much speaks on the frustrations of dating after divorce. And how do you maneuver that? And it's so many dating it's it's so it's so many divorce groups. It's so many groups on Facebook. But literally these groups help me and just seeing the different things that these people are saying. And for some reason, it's mainly women. Maybe it's just women that's really seeking help after the divorce. I don't know. But those are two tools that may help you become a better version of you. And dating after divorce is possible. And I've had a couple run-ins. I was in a relationship for four months with this guy. He was great with my children with me and he is went ghost and I don't know I don't know why I didn't know why for a year or so he came back and we went on a date we we spoke very openly and candid about everything and I, I understood why he did what he did but it hurt me to my core and since then I really haven't really been able to open up to anybody else but I guess you could say until recently. I've been able to open up to love in whatever form it comes. But I hope that my transparency will help someone on their journey because in the midst of life happening, we have to get to a place where we're honest about our transition. And I would not go into grave details because... Some things need to be said, not said, and some things need to be kept secret. Just know that healing is required to date after divorce or any long-term relationship. And remember, marriage is anytime you have sex with someone because sex creates memories. The more memories, the harder it will be. The harder it will take and the longer it will take. The harder it would be and the longer it would take to get over that person in that situation in that relationship. So we have to be willing to nip things in the bud and let things go. But again, forgiveness don't wait on time. It's willingness of the parties that's involved. It's not time. It's the people. But chime in. 
on a weekly basis. And let's go higher. The Love Doctor. Greetings, beautiful divine people. You are now tuned in to the Heart Doctor. Today, I will be speaking on dating after 30. Thirty is a pivot point in any adult's life. It's the it's the point in time where you have to grow up. And after hearing the jokes and everything in my twenties, well, when you turn thirty, everything go downhill. Everything goes downhill. Everything is not going to be what you think is going to be. Well, I've hit that age. And I've ignored the jokes and everything. And now it has happened. It has hit me like a bomb. I am officially 30 years old. I'm going to tell you something about 30 year, 30 year olds though. It's, it's beautiful. It has its quirks. I promise you it does. There are several things that people didn't tell me about it, though, that has totally thrown me aloof. No one told me about the chin hairs. Yes. Women have mustaches, men. We do. No one told me about that one or two, those one or two chin hairs that just hang around. And no matter how much you pluck it, it's just there. And how much you have to shave your mustache. You even have to bleach your mustache just to match your skin color. And it's so embarrassing. The beds and pillows become your soulmate. You will go throughout the day, rush throughout the day just to make it home. Just to take your bra off for women. And just to lie in bed. And just to have your head on a soft pillow. And just to hear the sound of your own voice. It's so relaxing. Laughing lines. Life is so cruel. When was it a crime to laugh? (laughs) I now have laughing lines. Simply because I'm happy. Life, why are you so cruel? Another thing, the emerging gray and silver hairs, they come, they come with a vengeance. They really do. They come with a vengeance. I began noticing my gray hairs at the age of 28 years old. I've bleached them. I've colored them. I put henna on them currently now. Uh, I'm just... I'm like a month into my henna and now there are more popping up out of everywhere. I'm like, where are you? Like, why are you coming to ruin my life? I want to stay young forever. But they come. Oh, the metabolism. If you had a fast metabolism when you when you was younger, you ate everything. You ate 
nutty buddies. You had cakes, juice, and everything. And you're like, I'm never going to gain weight. Well, at the age of 30, you do. And 30 and above, oh my gosh, you have to really watch what you eat. You can't eat after a certain time. You need to go to bed at a certain time. You have to you have to get more serious about a career. I mean, 30 is, is the age that you have to get serious. But get serious before the age because 30 has its quirks. It's funny. I wake up at the age of 31 now. My back hurt. My neck hurts. I have to scratch every day. Literally. I have to drink water coming out of the bed. I have to eat a fruit in a in a.m. I can't just go and just go eat a bag of chips anymore with, with some cake. Well, with a cake on the side or with some juice. I have to actually eat breakfast now. <laughs> Life is funny after 30. It's so it's so funny. And it has its complications. But just when you think that it gets so complicated try dating after 30 oh my gosh dad how do you write a book on that dating after 30 and put this is big old caption of a heart been broken in two because dating after 30 is it's, it's rough it almost feels like running in a race where the finish line is constantly being changed. I never knew dating was a rat race or, or a human race. It was just a race overall. And most days I'm tired from it because it's complicated. It's confusing. All these new rules. You can't say this. You can't do this now. And you can't wear this. And, and it's like the things that I... That I grew up with, I, I grew up with courting. So the parents had to be there. The, the grandparents, we all lived in one house. Past 18, honestly, for me. And I am a melanated black woman. So yes, yes, I was able to stay in the house shortly after 18. Thank God for loving relatives and parents. But I wish we can go back to that time of courting. To actually get to know know someone for who they really are, not on a surface level, not in an egotistical way. Thirty and dating, it it don't match, but it's necessary. And me and my dating life has been funny. I've learned a couple lessons in dating, and I hope that this helps you in your dating life. And there are three that I'll be talking about today. My number one lesson in dating, 30 and above, say what you want. Please, people, for the life of God, say what you want. We don't have time. To be beating around the bush, waiting a couple phone calls. No, say what you want. Be honest. If you have children, say that. If whatever's going on with your life, say that the first the first conversation. A actually, mention that in the introduction. When someone say, "Hey, how you doing? Hey, beautiful. This, this, this," and you get, and you're having a conversation. Oh, by the way, 
I am vegan. By the way, I have children. By the way, I love nature. Just say it in the introduction because get it out the way early on because what's going to happen is you're going to string people along. They're going to string you along. And it's going to end up in this really crazy situation possibly. So be honest from the get-go. Please, people, stop trying to put on the front like you just, no, if you're not about that life, go ahead. If you if you if you're approached by a person or you approach a person and they're into a club life and you already know you go to bed at eight o'clock, why are you even entertaining this person? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's hilarious. Like why? You already know you're not about to go to no club. You about to go to bed, watch some Netflix, uh, drink, eat, eat a little something, something, take a shower, bath. I prefer both. You need to take a shower and a bath, please. But just whatever you do, you already know you're not going to talk to that person ever again. That person has a nose ring. Come on now. Come on now. Come on. Go on. You already know. And one of my rules that I have is I don't date younger. If you're younger than 31, we're good, boo-boo. If you're 30, we, we can't date. We can be friends, though. I can... We, we can help one another. We motivate one another. We can support one another in our dreams and goals, but that's it. There is no dating. There is no holding hands. There is no going to the movies. We can't watch Netflix together. You feel what I'm saying? Unless it's on a friendly basis. We have to say what we want. We have to be. We have to know what we want. But in order to do that, we have to know God. We have to know, be in tune with ourselves and our purpose. So if you're not in that place, work on that. Please. The second thing is to pay attention to the red flags, people. And I've mentioned to I've mentioned this in the podcast or the segments before. Red flags are here to warn us of things. Why do you think we have a stop sign and a red light? Why? Why do you think when you drive a car? There are rules and hazards because God knew that in life on this journey, we're like a car and literally God is driving us to a place and we need to know what we're getting ourselves into. If the brother for me, who's heterosexual, if you're not, Hey, whatever your purpose is, whoever you, whoever you choose to be with, if the person that you're entertaining, whatever if they are talking about their ex, please leave them be. Give it us free kind of situation. Let them be free as a bird. If someone is not being consistent, if someone is not calling you or texting you, but yeah, I take it back. If someone's not calling you, that's a red flag because that lets you know they don't want to hear your voice. Like you're not even worthy of a phone call. Because the text is easy. You can text that. Hey, blah, blah, blah. You can have a full conversation on text message. But a phone call? A phone call shows that person want to hear you. Now, not everybody want to hear your voice. That shows a true, genuine interest in someone. A true interest. Now, if it's not that, let them go. If they're not trying to actually go out, that's another red flag. They trying to get some booty. But... Honestly, you don't need that. I'm telling you. If you're not about that life, now if you are, be honest about it. If you just want 
to be cuddle buddies, what, what not, whatever the term is today, be that. But if that's not the case, then leave that situation alone, please. Please pay attention to red flags. If that person is commenting on your looks and how your body is and, and it's nothing of the spiritual, mental, emotional, let them go. That's men and women. And women have a different way, and I know I'm a woman, women have different ways of saying those things without saying sex, sexual comments. But men, they're like within five minutes talk to a man, they're they going to compliment some part of your body. And my thing is, that's fine. I understand that that's how you, that's how, that's how you relate to people because you're you physically attracted to someone. But that physical attraction should, t- should turn into some uh, emotional attraction, some spiritual attraction, some other higher form of love or expression of love. Some kind of intimacy needs to be there other than just sex. And last but not least, I'm wrapping this up, people. This is a, this is a shorter segment. Stay focused on your personal goals. Every day, make a list of things that you want to do. As a matter of fact, have a vision board. A vision board is is where you have pictures and you have you actually may print out or write out what you may want. It can be a house, find a house in a magazine. Just have a daily goal, have a short-term goal, have some kind of goal in life to where you're doing something that you want to do out of life. Please, people, stay focused. No distractions. And this is how you know someone is a distraction. If just say you're going to school or you're just really focused on maybe a career move or whatever it is, or you're just starting a brand or getting your cars together, whatever you do, whatever God has for you in your life, whatever you're doing, maybe you're making homemade goods, whatever. You meet this person and all of a sudden you just stop doing those things. This person, you start doing other things that's totally opposite of that direction. That person may be a distraction. Just like God heard your prayers, the devil heard your prayers too. So God can send people just like the devil can send people. So please be aware of the people that is in your space. If that person is not giving back to you or pouring to you, depositing uh, great things into you, I'm telling you, they are not worth your time. So just as a recap, lessons learned. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Be verbal and pay attention to the red flags. And last but not least, stay focused. Focus, people. Focus, focus, focus. We are getting to a point in time in our lives. We have to be focused on everything. And I hope that this was entertaining as well as informative. But you are speaking with the heart doctor. Chime in next week. I'm, I will be speaking on healthy relationships, marriage, separations, and honestly, the transitions of being a healthy person until next time be you beautiful divine people the heart doctor greetings beautiful divine people you are now tuned in to the heart doctor today i will be speaking on dating after 30 30 is a pivot point in any adult's life. It's the the point in time where you have to grow up. And 
after hearing the jokes and everything in my twenties, well, when you turn thirty, everything go down Everything goes downhill. Everything is not going to be what you think it's going to be. Well, I've hit that age, and I've ignored the jokes and everything, and now it has happened. It has hit me like a bomb. I am officially 30 years old. I'm going to tell you something about 30 year 30 year olds though. It's it's beautiful. It has its quirks. I promise you it does. There are several things that people didn't tell me about it though that has totally thrown me aloof. No one told me about the chin hairs. Yes. Women have mustaches, men. We do. No one told me about that one or two, those one or two chin hairs that just hang around. And no matter how much you pluck it, it's just there. And how much you have to shave your mustache. You even have to bleach your mustache just to match your skin color. And it's so embarrassing. The beds and pillows become your soulmate. You will go throughout the day, rush throughout the day just to make it home. Just to take your bra off for women. And just to lie in bed. And just to have your head on a soft pillow. And just to hear the sound of your own voice. It's so relaxing. Laughing lines. Life is so cruel. When was it a crime to laugh? <laughs> I now have laughing lines simply because I'm happy. Life, why are you so cruel? Another thing, the emerging gray and silver hairs, they come. They come with a vengeance. They really do. They come with a vengeance. I began noticing my gray hairs at the age of 28 years old. I've bleached them. I've colored them. I put henna on them currently now. Uh, I'm just, I'm like a month into my henna. And now there are more popping up out of everywhere. I'm like, where are you? Like, why are you coming to ruin my life? I want to stay young forever, but they come. Oh, the metabolism. If you had a fast metabolism when you, when you was younger, you ate everything. You ate nutty buddies. You had cakes, juice, and everything. And you're like, I'm never going to gain weight. Well, at the age of 30, you do. And 30 and above... Oh my gosh, you have to really watch what you eat. You can't eat after a certain time. You need to go to bed at a certain time. You have to you have to get more serious about a career. I mean, 30 is is the age that you have to get serious. But get serious before the age because 30 has its quirks. It's funny. I wake up at the age of 31 now. My back hurt, my neck hurts. I have to scratch every day. Literally, 
I have to drink water coming out of the bed. I have to eat a fruit in a in a.m. I can't just go and just go eat a bag of chips anymore with, with some cake. Well, with a cake on the side or with some juice. I have to actually eat breakfast now. <laughs> Life is funny after 30. It's so it's so funny. And it has its complications. But just when you think that it gets so complicated, try dating after 30. Oh my gosh. Dad, I need to write a book on that. Dating after 30 and put this is big old caption of a heart been broken in two because dating after 30 is, is, is rough. It almost feels like running in a race where the finish line is constantly being changed. I never knew dating was a rat race or, or a human race. It was just a race overall. And most days I'm tired from it because it's complicated. It's confusing. All these new rules. You can't say this. You can't do this now. And you can't wear this. And, and it's like the things that I, that I grew up with, I, I grew up recording. So the parents have to be there. The, the grandparents, we all lived in one house past 18, honestly, for me. And I am a melanated black woman. So yes. Yes, I was able to stay in the house shortly after 18. Thank God for loving relatives and parents. But I wish we can go back to that time according to actually get to know know someone for who they really are, not on a surface level, not in an egotistical way. 30 and dating. It, it don't match, but it's necessary. And me and my dating life has been funny. I've learned a couple lessons in dating, and I hope that this helps you in your dating life. And there are three that I'll be talking about today. My number one lesson. In dating, 30 and above, say what you want. Please, people, for the life of God, say what you want. We don't have time to be beating around the bush, waiting a couple phone calls. No, say what you want. Be honest. If you have children, say that. If whatever's going on with your life, say that the first the first conversation. A- actually... Mention that in the introduction. When someone say, hey, how you doing? Hey, beautiful, this, this, this. And, you get, and you're having a conversation. Oh, by the way, I am vegan. By the way, I have children. By the way, I love nature. Just say it in the introduction because get it out the way early on because what's going to happen is you're going to string people along. They're going to string you along. And it's going to end up in this really crazy situation possibly. So be honest from the get-go. Please, people, stop trying to put on the front like you just no, nah, you're not about that life. Go ahead. If you if you if you're approached by a person or you approach a person and into a club life and you already know you go to bed at eight o'clock. Why are you even entertaining this person? 
<laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's hilarious. Like, why? You already know you're not about to go to no club. You about to go to bed, watch some Netflix, uh, drink, eat, eat a little something, something, take a shower, bath. I prefer both. You need to take a shower and a bath, please. But just whatever you do, you already know you're not going to talk to that person ever again. That person has a nose ring. Come on now. Come on now. Come on. Go on. You already know. And one of my rules that I have is I don't date younger. If you're younger than 31, we're good, boo-boo. If you're 30, we, we can't date. We can be friends, though. I can, we, we can help one another. We motivate one another. We can support one another in our dreams and goals. But that's it. There is no dating. There is no holding hands. There is no going to the movies. We can't watch Netflix together. You feel what I'm saying? Unless it's on a friendly basis. We have to say what we want. We have to be we have to know what we want. But in order to do that, we have to know God. We have to know, be in tune with ourselves and our purpose. So if you're not in that place, work on that, please. The second thing is to pay attention to the red flags, people. And I've mentioned to I've mentioned this in the podcast or the segments before. Red flags are here to warn us of things. Why do you think we have a stop sign and a red light? Why? Why do you think when you drive a car, there are rules and hazards? Because God knew that in life, on this journey, we're like a car. And literally, God is driving us to a place. And we need to know what we're getting ourselves into. If the brother, for me, who's heterosexual, if you're not, Hey, whatever your purpose is, whoever you, whoever you choose to be with, if the person that you're entertaining, whatever, if they are talking about their ex, please leave them be, give it us free kind of situation. Let them be free as a bird. If someone is not being consistent, if someone's not calling you or texting you, but yeah, I take it back. If someone's not calling you. That's a red flag because that lets you know they don't want to hear your voice. Like you're not even worthy of a phone call because the text is easy. You can text that. Hey, blah, blah, blah. you can have a full conversation on text message, but a phone call, a phone call shows that person want to hear you. Now, not everybody want to hear your voice. That shows a true, genuine interest in someone, a true interest. Now, if it's not that, let them go. If they're not trying to actually go out, that's another red flag. They trying to get some booty, but honestly, you don't need that. I'm telling you, if you're not about that life, now if you are, be honest about it. If you just want to be cuddle buddies, what, what not, whatever the term is today, be that. But if that's not the case, then leave that situation alone, please. Please pay attention to red flags. If that person is commenting on your looks and how your body is and, and it's nothing of the spiritual, mental, emotional, let them go. That's men and women. And women have a different way. And I know I'm a woman. Women have different ways of saying those things without saying sex, sexual comments. 
But men, they're like within five minutes talk to a man, they're they going to compliment some part of your body. And my thing is, that's fine. I understand that that's how you, that's how, that's how you relate to people because you, you're physically attracted to someone. But that physical attraction should, t- should turn into some uh, emotional attraction, some spiritual attraction, some other higher form of love or expression of love. Some kind of intimacy needs to be there other than just sex. And last but not least, I'm wrapping this up, people. This is a, this is a shorter segment. Stay focused on your personal goals. Every day, make a list of things that you want to do. As a matter of fact, have a vision board. A vision board is is where you have pictures and you have you actually may print out or write out what you may want. It can be a house, find a house in a magazine. Just have a daily goal, have a short-term goal, have some kind of goal in life to where you're doing something that you want to do out of life. Please, people, stay focused. No distractions. And this is how you know someone is a distraction. If just say you're going to school or you're just really focused on maybe a career move or whatever it is, or you're just starting a brand or getting your cars together, whatever you do, whatever God has for you in your life, whatever you're doing, maybe you're making homemade goods, whatever. You meet this person and all of a sudden you just stop doing those things. This person, you start doing other things that's totally opposite of that direction. That person may be a distraction. Just like God heard your prayers, the devil heard your prayers too. So God can send people just like the devil can send people. So please be aware of the people that is in your space. If that person is not giving back to you or pouring to you, depositing uh, great things into you, I'm telling you, they are not worth your time. So just as a recap, lessons learned. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Be verbal and pay attention to red flags. And last but not least, stay focused. Focus, people. Focus, focus, focus. We are getting to a point in time in our lives. We have to be focused on everything. And I hope that this was entertaining as well as informative. But you are speaking with the heart doctor. Chime in next week. I'm, I will be speaking on health relationships, marriage, separations, and honestly, the transitions of being a healthy person until next time be you beautiful divine people the heart doctor